Wow. That just kills me every time. Jason, could you lead us in prayer? That's right, God. Love the people when they can't love themselves. And Lord, let us just be shining examples. Lord, and I ask that you bless this messenger of God, that you have him send us a mighty, mighty message of your word, so that we not only listen to it, but we learn to apply it in our everyday life and walk. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you, to be here with you, and for you being here with us. We love you, Lord. Love the church. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh, sorry, that crack that just kills me every time I watch that. And it just kind of rips at you. So let me ask you a question. Do you know what it's like to drown? Have you ever drowned before? Or almost drowned? Or seen somebody drown? See, I've been on both sides. I almost drowned twice in my life. Um... But the one I want to focus on is the time I saved my brother, my oldest brother. I'm the youngest of four. And uh, we were at Rhode Island, and uh, my uncle was commandeering his new boat, I guess you could say, and he wasn't a very good captain. Uh, he was just kind of learning, and you know, we were all just excited about being on a boat. Well, my oldest brother, he had to use the restroom while we're out in the water. And so they're like, just jump in the water. You know, you, you know just do that. You know, that happens in pools. Why not happen in, a, in Cape Cod? You know, that type of thing. So my brother's like, okay, I'll do that. My brother forgot one important thing. He did not hold on to the side of the boat. And so when he went over, he didn't have the boat, and the boat is not stopped. It's, it's moving. And... I see this look of panic in his eyes. And he starts swimming for the boat. Uh, he's probably, you know, already relieved himself in the process because he's like, uh-oh, there goes the boat, you know. And uh, so he starts swimming, and I see this look in his eyes. And I see the panic kick in. And I'm only, I don't know, nine, ten years old. I'm not even thinking at that time. You know, I'm just, you know, having fun on a boat. But I, I saw that look. What was I going to do? And, and I don't know, I, I just, I wasn't thinking. And I'm pretty sure my parents thought I was crazy. But I held on to the side of the boat, and I jumped out. And I just stretched out my legs and held on. And then my brother, my other brother grabbed my hand, you know. And then my brother got hold of my foot. And was able to reel himself back into the boat. And I didn't think anything about it, really. You know, I was like, all right, yeah, we got my brother, you know. And then later on that night when we were in the hotel room, he came into my room, and it was just me and him. And he went, Al, thank you. You, you don't know what you did, but thank you. And I've never forgot that time. Never once. And it's that look 
I'll never forget the look on his eyes. That panic that kicked in. You know? And I'm just like, wow. So how does all this fit into what we're talking about today with oceans and, and drowning and things like that? Well, earlier in this week, if you were in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you would have read in verses 7 through 10 the following. And I better put on my glasses. Now, if the ministry that brought death which was engraved in the letters of stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites cannot look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. If you've been following along in the one-year Bible with us this year, you would have done what I have never done before, and that's spend time in the Old Testament. I know a little bit about the Old Testament. I've I've always known, you know, the story of David Goliath and Abraham and, you know, all these, you know, cute stories that we teach kids in Sunday school, but I never really read the Old Testament before. You know, I'm just kind of going through it, and, you know, and it says here, if this ministry that brought death, now, if you've read the Old Testament this year with us, or ever, you would have realized one thing, hopefully, is how thankful we need to be for Christ. Because the covenant, the law of Moses, brought about death. Death in that it showed us what we're really like. It showed us who we really are. It shows you what's really inside of you. You know, Jason was talking Friday night, and uh, I told him I was going to use this. He gave me permission. But he was speaking at the Fed Up rally in Austin. and, And Jason's key is, I'm not fed up with the people. I'm fed up with me. I'm fed up with my responsibility. I'm fed up with how I haven't done anything to help anybody. And yet he's done more than he even realizes in helping people. But when you look and come face to face with the hand of the Lord, you realize you haven't done nothing. When you're faced and you sit down, because see, a lot of times we're like Job, you know, and, and you've been reading Job this week. And so when I went through like this whole week, it's just like this giant theme for me. Uh, all of it just kind of like matches Job, Corinthians, Psalms, Proverbs. All of it just kind of just melts together. All right? and, and, and for me, it's just a theme. It's a week of drowning and redemption. Because we drown, but at the end we're redeemed. And there's good news. And so my first point is, you know, in sin we're dead. And the whole thing is we don't even like to admit we're sinners. You know, nobody likes to admit. Nobody wants to say I did something wrong. Pride. You know, you saw pride, the little shark of pride up there and all the different things that go on. And we drowned in it. We don't realize how much pride gets a hold of us in our daily lives. 
You know, I can't believe so-and-so got that promotion and I didn't. I can't believe they're singing that song and not the one I requested. I can't believe that he's preaching and not Jeff, you know. <laughs> I don't care if it's me or Jeff. I don't care if Jason comes up and takes over the rest of the time. You know, we were talking about this in Sunday school class. Toby Mac has a song. And, and, and the song he sings, he, he talks about, you know, steal my show. It's not about me. It's about Jesus in your life. And if you're drowning, and all of us are drowning to some point, there's something that we're drowning. You go back to the Karate Kid movie, the original, and Daniel, his girlfriend, breaks up with him, and the guys are being bullies and beating him up, and he's just freaking out, and he comes to Mr. Miyagi, he's like, all this stuff is going wrong. And Mr. Miyagi goes, focus. Focus, Daniel son, Focus. And Jesus is saying the same thing when the boat is rocking and things are going crazy. You lose your job, you lose your wife, you lose your kid. Four of them earlier this week, and that really stinks, but we raised $5,000 for those families yesterday. Praise the Lord. But you know, people are dying. And we're not doing nothing about it. Are we? Are we really doing anything about it? No, we have a responsibility. We need to realize what we're doing and what are we doing about it. And when you sit in the Old Testament and you read the Law of Moses and you read where you really are, you know how many times I've been reading through this Old Testament and I'm like, hey, I just joined so-and-so and went outside the wall and they just stoned me. They left me outside the walls right there because I've done that. You know, Aaron's son's playing with the fire in the tent of meeting. I'm like, that was me in my house. I tried to set my house on fire when I was a kid. You know, I could see the Lord saying, Phew, you're done. You know, I would have been smoked right there. You know, so many different, just read the Old Testament and you go, bro, thank you, Jesus, because without grace, man, I'm outside the walls getting stoned. I'm getting laid out. I'm being set on fire. The ground is opening up. And I'm being sucked down. Because that's what the law did. That's why they sacrificed so many animals every year. They sacrificed the best of the best. You know, that one you're looking, you're going, hey, this cow's going to be some good eating. And, you know, I got mad at my wife, and now i got to sacrifice this cow because I didn't treat my family right. And I'm like, wow, there's like prime beef in this. And, you know, i got to give up my best. You know, and, and God always asks us to give up our best. He always does. You know, let's, let's take the book of the law for a moment. The book of the law, the law of Moses, was read once every seven years in the Feast of the Tabernacles. On average, at 300 words per minute, I googled it, I, did. I googled it, and actually, it times out pretty much close to what Ezra did in Nehemiah chapter 9, all right? It takes five hours and 34 minutes at the average of 300 words per minute to read the book of the law in its entirety. That means I got 10 minutes to wrap up my sermon. I'm not going to do it. Okay. So, <clears throat> so think about that for a minute. It took five hours and 34 minutes. Ezra started at daybreak on the first month of this, or the first day of the seventh month. So if you went back to July 1st of this year, sunrise was at 621, and he preached until noon. Okay? Let me ask you a question. 
The next Feast of the Tabernacle is coming up this month. It's on, Febu- it's on September 23rd, which is a Sunday. What if Pastor Jeff started at 6.30 in the morning in the book of Genesis and read till noon? Or he read an hour, I read an hour, our deacons read for an hour, we have other deacons and we all read for an hour. How many of you would show up at 6 o'clock in the morning for the reading of the book of Moses? All right, a couple of people, I don't really want you to raise your hand because everybody's not, you know. And you know, and I would understand if you came and fell asleep during that because even Paul preached and people fell asleep and fell out of windows and then they had to go raise them from the dead, you know. Uh, you know, so I mean, and here at least if you fall asleep in a chair, they're soft, you know, you're not going to fall and land on your head. Um, if you did, we'd probably laugh at it. <laughs> if you felt that would be cool. But no. Because uh, <laughs> you're supposed to catch me when I fall off the stage today. You know, I know, isn't it crazy? So, yeah, you know, how many of us would be here on Sunday, September 23rd for the reading of the Book of the Law? And yet, how many people were in Israel? And there's like 300,000 people in Israel, and they all gathered. They dropped what they do. It, there was no, hey, you know, ball game comes on at, you know, 11 o'clock, or the race starts here, or, you know, I got to go to this cookout. You know, it's Labor Day weekend. I got a, you know, I got a family reunion I got to go to, or I got to do this, or I got to do that. And we have all these responsibilities, but nobody wants to be here for the reading of the book of the law. Hmm. What's that tell you about your heart? See, I've been where you're at right now. You're going, Albert, you're crazy. And I'm going, I sat there saying that the same thing when I'm reading it. I said, Albert, you're crazy. But how many would really sit through five hours of reading the book of the law? And what was the people's response? They were grumbling that Ezra was going on for five hours. No. If you go back to Nehemiah chapter 9, the people were on their hands and knees. They were on their faces and they were wailing. They were crying. They realized their sin that they were doing. When was the last time the word of God brought you to your knees? When was the last time you were reading your Bible and you said, Lord, I repent. Of what I'm doing, because what I'm doing, I'm not doing for you. And we want to fight and bicker about stupid stuff instead of praising the name of Jesus. Instead of growing together, brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to be separated, not unified. No, we need to be unified for Christ for a cause. We need to be together. We need to stop worrying about what's happened in the past. And start rejoicing if you look further in Nehemiah. Not, and I know that was like a couple weeks ago when we were reading it, but I don't care. But back there, and Nehemiah goes, look, stop crying, and let's rejoice because there's good news. Let's now rejoice. You realize what you've done is wrong. Now do something about it. And it's when we don't do anything about it, and we expect the pastor to do it. We expect Pastor Jeff or, or, or Pastor Albert. Or our deacons, you know. This should, this should be, you know, Roger's job. You know, Roger's like, I'm retired, but wait up, you know. Uh, <laughs> no. It's everyone's job in here. It's not Pastor Jeff's job. It's not my job. It's your job. It's all of our jobs. There is nobody's job. You know, and the other thing I really like about the reading of the law and I get this from Troy. I love, I love it with, you know, I told Troy I was going to call him out today. When Troy's reading the word, he's been working with me with youth for a long time. Like everywhere I've done youth stuff, Troy's been there, okay? One of the things Troy commands 
when he's reading the word of God, is you be quiet, because this is the reading of the Lord. This is the reading of the Lord. You know, one of the first days I was at Jeremy's house, or not Jeremy's, I'm thinking of Jeremy, but I was at Jason's house, and Jason and Jeremy and I were sitting at the table, you remember that day? All right, and Jeremy was asking a question about something, and I had just, I had my Bible with me, and I just started going over some scriptures with him. And you know what Jeremy did? You remember what Jeremy did? He sat down to listen. He sat down because he wanted to know. He wanted to learn. And we're like, there goes Albert preaching again. Please get done. We've got to go to lunch at noon. Really? And Jeremy sits down to listen to the word of God. And we're so busy wanting to run someplace else. Man. Read the law and find out how selfish you are. Read the law and find out how selfish we are. I'm not calling anybody. I'm calling me out. I didn't want to go to a car wash yesterday at 10 o'clock in the morning. That was not on my priority list. Saturday mornings, I would like to get up. And send messages to Pastor Jeff and game and go play and go run around town and drive and see a bunch of other friends. But no, we were at a car wash raising money for families that needed it. Self didn't really want to do that, though. Yeah, that was the first thing I said to Marie and the ladies when I got down to the clothing cottage at 1 o'clock. So I went to a car wash. I can't say it was on my top ten list of things to do today. But, you know, when I saw we raised $5,130 for four families who don't have anything and they've just lost four children ages 15 and below, it doesn't matter how much sleep I had. It doesn't matter I didn't get to stay on my couch and lay down and watch TV. What matters is that we help somebody. And that's all we're called to do. Jesus, time and time again, says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep is more than just giving somebody food. It's giving them your time. You know, the Internet is a blessing and a curse. I love the Internet because I can communicate. I hate the Internet because we waste so much time on it. You know, I would like if we just went back to the old-style phones and said, Hey, Jason, what's up? You know, hey, we're going to go do this. All right, let's do it. You know. It can. It can be a, a blessing and a curse. Down in verse 15 of Second uh, Corinthians, it says, Even to this day when the law of Moses is, is read, a veil covers our hearts. See, the law of Moses should still be read today. I mean, this is Jesus' time. This is after Jesus' time. And Paul's saying it's, the law of Moses is still being read. Well, I bet you it's been longer than seven years since the law of Moses was read in this church. I bet you it's been longer than seven years and the law of Moses has been read in any church in this area. You know, and I'm not saying that Pastor Jeff needs to change our schedule on Sunday the 23rd and read the law of Moses. If he does, that's great. If he doesn't, that's great too. What I'm saying is, how serious are we about being in the Word of God? How serious are you? It exposes our hearts. So it comes down... And, I, and I've said this before, uh, and Pastor Jeff and I went through the Experience in God series, and Henry Blackerby is so prevalent in saying, you know, you cannot be in the Word of God and stay where you're at. 
You can't. You're going to do one of two things. You're going to be like the people in Revelations, you know, that were on the fence, and Jesus says, you know, I wish you were one or the other, but I'm spewing you out of your mouth. You're just a loogie. You know, I wish you were hot or cold. And we try to ride the fence in our Christianity. We really do. We want to ride the fence. I don't want to really say anything. What if I offend somebody? You know, Jesus offended people every day. You know, and what was going on? And here's the other thing. Even Job. You know, when, this all, when it all started out in Job, Job didn't do anything wrong. Here goes my alarm again. I better wrap it up now. Okay. Stop. Okay. All right. So now I really know I have to wrap it up. So that's good because I'm getting ready to close. Even Job had to repent. It all started out, Job was, was clean and cool. You know, God's like, have you considered my servant Job? You know, just don't kill him. You can do anything you want to him. But even in the end, if you go to Job 42, he says, and this is right after, you know, Job spent all this time going, woe is me, I wish I was dead, my life is over, I've lost everything, I'm not going to curse God, but I really wish he'd take me out because this really stinks. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the, you know, Cliff Notes version of it, okay? And, and so then the young guy speaks and lays it out, and then God says, okay, my turn. And so after God speaks, Job goes, listen now, and I will, sp- you said, listen now, and I will speak, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. And Job says, my ears have heard you, but now my eyes have even seen you. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. I don't care how good you think you are, you're nothing outside the Christ. You know, anybody who thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's scripture. I don't know which one, but I can quote it. <laughs> you know, uh, it's somewhere in Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, and Philippians. It's one of those books in there. But yeah, it's in the New Testament. Thank you. <laughs> it's in there. Anybody who thinks he's something, in it, he's not, you deceive yourself. And how often do we go through life thinking, you know, I'm not as bad as him. I'm not as bad as her. Well, look what they did. You know. Hey, I'm a CEO of a company, not. But, you know, we do that. We, we, we put our pride in so many things instead of in Jesus. You know, and guess what? There isn't anybody in here that's better than anybody else. There isn't. I don't, I don't care what you've been through or, or how, how famous you've become or, you know. You know, I used to be famous. I did in Terre Haute. I was in radio, and I went by another name. They called me Ryan Michaels. That was my name in Terre Haute. I could go into a restaurant, and people would hear my voice, and they'd come up and say, you must be Ryan Michaels. Can I get your autograph? All right? I used to, I used to you know, I'm sorry to say, I used to sign girls' butts with Sharpies. Okay? I've done it. You know? <laughs> I, <laughs> you ain't right. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I used to be famous, and you know what that cost me? It cost me my job, it cost me my family, and it cost me my relationship with Jesus Christ. All that glory got me nothing. And I, there are times I still go and sit in at the radio station in North Vernon, but I don't really, you know, it's, you know, I'm like afraid of it. You know, I don't want to get back in that. 
You know, I had, a, I had an opportunity, and my wife will tell you, I interviewed for a job, and uh, I was a restaurant manager. I could have been a restaurant manager. And when we were interviewing, we interviewed at night, and there's all these drunk girls. And I'm like, I got home. I said, I, I, uh, no, I'm not taking that job. I was in that life once before. I don't need to be in there again. Not going to do it. You know, it's not going to happen. Uh, and so no matter how good you think you are, outside of Christ, you're nothing. And let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, verses 9. At the end uh, of that, when we start it in 7. All right, I'm getting off track. Got to go back a page. Boop. I knew I'd miss it. I took my mark out. There it is. Okay, so back in 9, it says, If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. You know, it doesn't end there. We have freedom. If you go down to verses 14 and 16, he says, uh, uh, But their minds were made dull for this day, and the veil remains that the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. When you read the law and you realize how horrible you are, you realize how much you need Jesus. I am so thankful for grace. See, because I never, I never, my brother went to jail and I didn't. You know, my middle brother? He went to jail and I didn't. And it would be real easy to think that, you know, I'm not as bad as him. He needs Jesus. You know? And I remember the day he called me up, he said, Albert, I'm going to be baptized. And I said, who are you and what did you do with my brother? But Jesus got him. Jesus got him. And I got to spend a, a week, three days with my brother just recently just talking to the Lord. And amen to that. But because that veil is taken away, you're no longer condemned in Jesus. We have freedom in Christ. And if you go over to 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. I'm going to wrap it up with this. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who should live no longer should live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Our sole purpose. I asked the kids this morning, what's your goal in life? I don't know. Our one goal in life, whether you're a kid, whether you're an adult, whether you're confused, our one goal is to serve Jesus Christ because he who died for me. And Christ's love compels us to where we go on down. It says in verse 20, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I circled the word implore. That word implore means begging, deep, pressing, begging, deep, pressing, need, urgent appeal. Are you fed up with yourself? Are we out there urging people to turn their lives over to Christ? Are, are we out there doing that? We need to be. We, you know, I, I don't care if you're a Walmart greeter. You can be the light of Jesus. You know, 
I don't care if you're hanging out at the, the, the county park and you're eating lunch with your family. You can be the light of Jesus. You know, be the light of Jesus. You are Christ's ambassadors. Do you know what that means? You're God's representative. When you leave this building, you're representing Christ. Well, but I got to go to a ball game. You know, and if they cheat my kid, I got to cuss out the ref, don't I? No, you don't. You know, I dropped a gallon of milk on the floor today. <laughs> I was drowning at 7.30 this morning because milk was going everywhere. You know, and I could have... I Shouted out a couple potty mouth words, and I didn't. It doesn't make me better than anybody else. You just don't. You got a decision to make there. And I just looked down, and I saw the milk going bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> Honey. <laughs> and she went in panic mode instead. You know, I'm trying to cook, and I'm looking at that, and everything's burning. And, and you know, Jesus took care of it. And we still, the eggs were a little tough, but, you know, they were a little overcooked. We got through it. So I want to conclude with this. I want to implore you. I want to beg you. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I want to implore you that God who made him to be no sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That when you leave here today... You be the ambassador you're supposed to be because there are people drowning. Come to youth group on Wednesday night. You'll see some drowning. Both adults and kids, both. (laughs) You know, you'll see some drowning. Go hang out. You know, Jason had the chance to see somebody drowning at a hospital a couple days ago or a week ago. Somebody was dying and he saved their life. You know, when you walk outside that door, there's people dying. Are you going to save their life? You know, we can chase after people we don't know or people we want to see, but are you going to chase after the people that are across the street? People at Subway? You know, one thing I admire about Pastor Jeff is pretty much every time I've been with him and he goes into like Dollar General or whatever, he's inviting that person to church. You know, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? You're going to make us look weird, you know. And no, But he's out there inviting people to church. When was the last time you went to Walmart and invited somebody to church? Okay, Norman, I'll wrap it up. Was that Norman? I don't know. Go from there. All right, so with that, you may or may not have a relationship with Christ this morning. You may or may not know where you stand. Come talk to Pastor Jeff or myself. Come talk to Roger or one of the other deacons. You know, talk to somebody. You know, if you just want prayer, come up and pray. Just come up. It's okay. You know, you may just want help getting through something. It's okay. Come up and pray. I challenge you, if you don't come back on the 23rd for five hours of the reading of the Law of Moses, come back tonight and we'll pray. For two hours. How's that? I would like for us not to be set out there and pray tonight. I would like for us to be in here with more than 15 people praying for the community of Crothersville. It just depends on whether you really care that much about Crothersville to pray for them or not. Well, Albert, I got something else to do. I'll just pray in my head. Uh, Okay. I hope so.